0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. You can be seated this morning. Isn't is God good in this place? Hallelujah. Amen. I love that song, because uh, he is a waymaker, amen. Have you ever had him make a way for you where you thought there was no way? Amen. He helps us. He helps us. I feel like uh, that I'm, my mic is really loud. Does it sound loud to you guys out there? Because it sounds like an absolute tin can up here to me. So I'm not certain how all that works. Um, sometimes my ears are off. I could be, could be just the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Hallelujah amen God is so good amen this morning I want to begin uh, by sharing with you a story that has been over the years one of my favorite stories Um, it's you know it's funny that you say stuff like that like this is my favorite verse or my favorite story all of them are my favorite stories and all of them are my favorite verses It's just today, this is my favorite story today. you say, well, why is that? Well, because it fits in my sermon, so it's my favorite one. But I do enjoy this story because, you know, if you read the Bible, if you take time and read the Bible, you'll find out that God has a real sense of humor. And that God will, how many know that God will upset the apple cart from time to time? He will do things that will blow your mind. He will do things that will unsettle you. Uh, I remember years and years and years ago, Pastor Howard preached a message. He said this. He, he said in the message, God will move your furniture for you. Amen. You know? And, you, you, and he'll do it at night when you're asleep. And so when you wake up, all your, you're bumping into stuff. And it's like, you know, when you invite God into your life and you say, God, I want you to have right of way, he takes it serious. He changes the paint. He takes out what, And he don't ask. He, he, he remodels your life and he... He just does stuff. But this story in the Word has always been a story that has uh, um, intrigued me. And you'll remember it. You remember there was four guys that had a friend. And their friend was paralyzed. Uh, you can find this story in the book of Luke. But the friend was paralyzed. They knew that they needed to help them. And so apparently they heard about Jesus. And so they decided, look, we've got to get our friend to Jesus. We, we need to get him there so that Jesus can help him. How many glad for friends like that that know where the real help is, you know? And so they put him on a stretcher, I imagine, and they begin to carry him. Because Jesus was having a meeting at somebody's house. He was having a revival meeting, and they get to the house, and lo and behold, it's standing room only. In fact, it's so packed that people are literally hanging into the windows in the doorway. There's people around the house just trying to hear a little bit what Jesus says, and, and you know what? For most people, that, that would have been enough of a deterrent. It would have been like, well, look, you know, we tried, we couldn't get in, and so what are you going to do? It's kind of like a lot of times we're, we're kind of like how we deal with a restaurant. You go to a restaurant, and the, the, the hostess says, oh yeah, it's going to be 30 to 40 minutes, and you're like, I'm out. I'm, I'll see you later. I'm going to McDonald's. I, I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not worth the wait. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm not going to sit outside in the heat. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just not going to wait for, you know, 45 minutes to go by. And so I imagine that many people had tried to get in, but they probably came and, and in this house, it's packed, they can't get in. And so they probably said, hey, look, you know, we're just, we're just going to, it's done. But not these guys. These guys came up with a plan. They went and found themselves a ladder and they climbed up on the roof and they begin to tear a hole in the roof. So that, now listen, so that they could lower this man down on his stretcher. So this is not like just a little hole. This is a skylight hole. This is, this is big. And, and you know what? It's a little bit out of the ordinary because I, I need you to think about this because can you imagine, I know there's not standing room only here today, but can you imagine if somebody climbed up, even if there was standing room only, somebody climbed up on a roof, started up the metal saw, started cutting a hole in the metal... And to drop somebody in, how, how many would be excited about that? Or how many would be really mad? Hey, you're, you're vandalizing our building. How many would go, oh my God, it's revival. They're, they're so excited to come to church, they're cutting holes in the ceiling. I mean, you, you got to put yourself inside that story a little bit, you know. And so they cut the hole in the, in the roof. they lower the man down, and lo and behold, Jesus, and here's the thing that I find that's odd about this, is Jesus doesn't even, um, it's not even abnormal. He's not even like, hey, what are you guys doing? It's like, oh, okay, just let's pray for this guy. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem to even wrinkle the evening at all. And it's just amazing to me. And so I got thinking about this, and the reason that, I love this story so much Is because it's not just another service How many get tired Of just another service I I don't know about you I've said this many times before You know I've been to church a lot I've gone to a lot Of church services I started going to church when I don't know I, I don't know if I have a memory That predates me going to church I got saved when I was seven years old And prior to that I remember going to church I remember, I, you know, we went, I went, at first, the, my first recollections of church were catechism. I went to catechism and I was baptized in the Catholic Church and all that. And, I, and, and, and then my parents got saved and we were in church. And, you know, I, all of that, I just, I, I remember all of that. So I don't remember, there's ever been a time in my 56 years of living that I have not gone to church on a regular weekly basis. So I've gone to church a lot. And I can tell you this, I know this is going to sound a little controversial, but I don't need church to stay saved. All, oh, 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 what, 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 you say, oh, got, you got to go to church. Yeah, you got to go to church. Jesus said to go to church. I, you should go to church. <laughs> not saying anything about church, but you know what? I don't need church to stay saved. I love God. I love Jesus. I love His Word. Whether I come here or not, I'm going to read His Word. I'm going to live His way. I'm going to do what He says. I'm going to be obedient to Him, and I'm going to be saved. Can you say amen? amen. So I don't need this. I want this. But I don't want it just to be the same day in and day out. I don't want it to be, you know, I don't want, just, you know, I feel like sometimes we ought to just install a time clock in the back. To where we just have time cards and we punch in and punch out. You know, and we just we do our you know, we do our religious duty for the week and we've you know had our moment. Say, I don't want that. I I want something extraordinary. And you say, Why is that? Because when Jesus is in the house, nothing is ordinary. Yeah. Are you hearing me? And I think the problem with modern Christianity is that is that in many ways. We've become ordinary, we've become predictable, we've become bland and flat and, 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 dare I say it, even a little religious. And I believe the reason that Jesus this morning was so magnetic, so appealing, so captivating to the masses is because there was nothing ordinary about Him. Jesus was wildly unpredictable. He was alive. He was vibrant. He was supernatural. And he was certainly not religious. When you went to a Jesus revival meeting, you didn't know what was good. People could be raised from the dead. Certainly, everyone's getting healed. Uh, you could get a dinner, you, you could be a part of the 5,000 fed with a few loaves of bread and a few fish, voices out of heaven, angels. There, I mean, there could be uh, demoniacs getting saved. I mean, it was a wild scene. Can you say amen? Amen. amen? He was unpredictable. Yet one of the greatest dangers that we face as a people of God is becoming Predictable. Becoming settled and set into our ways, and dare I say, domesticated. Yeah. Yeah. There is something about Christianity that is meant to be untamed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, not, I'm not saying lawless, but free, exciting, risky, and even a little dangerous. See, it's so easy, church, to become complacent, apathetic, lukewarm, routine, and comfortable. And I want to say to you today that it has never been, nor will it ever be, the will of God for our lives. Ever. Hudson Taylor, he was a missionary to China. He said it this way. He said, we are a supernatural people born again by a supernatural birth, kept by a supernatural book, sustained on supernatural food, taught by a supernatural teacher from a supernatural book. Now let me ask you a question this morning. I'm going to be rather direct. Are you prepared to allow the Spirit of God to change your status quo? Be careful before you answer. Because I'm telling you, God has a way of upsetting the apple cart. Are you truly ready for the Lord to do something new in your life? Something unexpected, something out of the ordinary. Are you ready to follow Him down roads that you have never traveled? Are you open to the possibility that He might bless you in an unexpected, startling way? Now, none of us would be so arrogant as to say, nope, not me, I'm good, I like it just, I like things just as the way they are. Yet from time to time, we may develop an attitude that comes across as indifference. We feel like, what's, what's the big deal? What's all this talk about, you know, new? What's, what's, what's wrong with the old? What's What's, what's wrong with the old? I, I, and the problem is, is that attitude limits our ability to move into a fresh and new and living way with God. And it would be such a shame if we closed our hearts to what God wants to do in and through us, church. You know, our church, I'm going to say this, our church is, if you were to go around and start looking at the average age, our ch- church is a little bit older. And so I'm going to speak to older people today. Or if you're old, raise your hand. Don't. I'm just teasing. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I've noticed, I'm not the ancient of days, but I am getting older. And the tendency to use our age or getting older as an excuse to not do anything is an indictment. Caleb was 80 years old when he said, give me that mountain. And what you may not know about that mountain it had giants on it. He goes. I, he said, I remember when I was a spy, and he said, I saw that mountain, and I said, it's mine. That's my inheritance. I love Caleb. He goes to uh, Moses, and he says, you know what? This is, this is mine. And then, and then they spend the 40 years in the wilderness, and when it's time to go into the promised land, uh, Caleb goes to Joshua and says, Moses said, I could have that mountain. That's mine. I've, I've, been, I've been standing here for 40 years looking at that mountain. So I don't care what's on it. I'm going after it. See, and the problem is is sometimes we get so stuck in our way. It's like, I'm, I'm just too old. Let the kids do that. But then we're mad when the kids do it. Do you know what they're doing? They're putting lights on the wall. Well, you know what? If you have lights on the wall, that's not going to stop. You know, Jesus can show up in a barn. Yeah, He can. But people won't. <clears throat> I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to. Do you know why we do what we do? It's not because we think that's going to bring the revival. We would be stupid to think that decor brings a revival it brings people. It's attractive to young people. And if you want a church to grow, you got to have young people coming in and old people ought to go, you know what? I want to raise up and train young people. I want to be their spiritual mother and father. But the problem is, is we get two generations fighting. It's like the young people look at the old people and go, well, I don't want to do it the old way. And the old people go, I don't want to do it the young way. And we start arguing and fighting and we go, what? And God's like, shut up. Are you hearing me? See, the reality is lights never hurt nobody, but it does attract people. They're like moths to a flame. And when they get to this flame, they get saved. I'll let that alone now. (laughs) Our Father in heaven loves the new. The kingdom of God is always new and renewing. Nothing gets old in heaven. It's never stale, it's always fresh, it's always vital, it's always vibrant and alive. Everything God does is brimming with abundance and newness. The Bible says in Revelations 21.5, it says, Then he who sat on the throne, just so we're sure who's talking, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. See, we can't afford a mindset of complacency and apathy. We must not settle in for the good old days. We must look forward to the new thing that God is about to do. Can you say amen? God wants to do new things for us as individuals and as a church. He wants to take us to places we've never been before, to do things we've never done before. God has more for us. It's new, it's bigger, it's deeper, and it's more. It's exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or ask to quote Him in Ephesians. So turn quickly To our text Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 using this as a springboard into this thought it says do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old behold I will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall you not know it I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert now the background of this passage is the Lord was speaking to the children of Israel in a time of great intensity. And, and it had been difficult for quite a while because Israel had been in captivity. And they've drifted once again from God. Yet the grace of God is about to be revealed. And God speaks to His people and He says, listen up, I'm about to do a new thing. Now there is no doubt that our circumstances are far better than these, had, these people had. Yet in spite of their desperation, God was about to change everything. And He was about to make all things new. This should excite us, church. This should energize us. It should thrill us. Because God is about to do something new that is impossible for us. He can take whatever meager reality we exist in and He can make it wonderfully new. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen to what God speaks to Israel to prepare them. I I need you to catch what God is saying. It would do you well to go back and read all of chapter 43 in Isaiah. It's a wonderful chapter. And he's preparing them for something extravagantly new. And he says in verse 15 through 17, he says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together. They shall not rise, they are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick. This verse of Scripture is God uh, calling them and us to prepare, to prepare for a new thing. And He begins by reminding them and ultimately us what, the, what he can do and what he did. As our creator, he is the source of all of our being. He showed up and showed off. He said, I am the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I am the God of heaven and earth, and I will take care of this situation. As our king, he is a proven benevolent ruler, bigger than any circumstance. As our deliverer, he is making a way where there is no way. And He is conquering all that comes against us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now here's the problem. Sometimes, as soon as God does a good thing, it seems like the enemy comes back to get even. But God says, just wait and see. This thing is going to be so good, it's going to blow Him out of the water. Because God is a complete enemy deliverer. He will not take us halfway there. Think about what happened to the children of Israel. They are delivered from Egypt, from, and, and they saw miraculous things. I mean, God did 10 outstanding miracles to deliver them. The, children, or the, the Egyptians were so tired of this that they said, go, get out of here. In fact, take everything we own with you. I mean, think about it. I mean, they didn't even have to spoil the place. All they had to do was collect it. <clears throat> and they go, and they leave. But then Pharaoh gets mad, doesn't he? You know the story. He's sitting there on his throne. If you remember the movie Ten Commandments, you'll remember that his wife comes in and eggs him out. I don't know if that's not Bible, but it makes for a good movie. And so he eggs her on. And so he goes, you know what, I'm going to go get him. And we know that happened. And so Pharaoh, they're at the Red Sea, and Pharaoh is in hot pursuit. And that's what it feels like. Now, here's what happens when we're Christians. We'll have a major victory. And here we are. We've had just this wonderful, we've had 10 succeeding miracles that has delivered us. And we're standing at the Red Sea, and we're thinking, okay, how are we going to get across here? We've got to build some boats. And, boy, this is probably more work than I thought. But then all of a sudden, somebody goes, oh, my God, look, Pharaoh's come to kill us. And we begin to fall apart. (coughs) We begin to whine and cry. And then God says, stand still. If you go research it, it literally means shut up. (laughs) Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He says, for these Egyptians you see today, you won't see ever again. See, church, God's doing something new. And yeah, the devil raises his ugly head, but God's about ready to kick his head off. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <clears throat> when I preach like this, there's always a little imp around here somewhere. He's around here somewhere. I don't, he, I don't know where he stands. Anyway, he stands here, and he, when I start preaching, he goes, you better watch it, buddy. I'm going to come get you. Well, come on! Because you're going to get a foot in the mouth. Because God's a big God, and He's for me, and guess what? I win, and He's doing something brand new. (laughs) He didn't take me this far to leave me now. He didn't bring me this far because there were no graves in Egypt. He brought me because He wants to completely deliver me. He brought me out here to show me exactly who He is. Sometimes the garbage that we end up seeing is so, its a setup so that God can show off. <coughs> He's saying, "What are you? What are you talking about? Isn't it funny how you get a word from the Lord? You're going to be blessed. God's going to give money into your hands, and you go home Monday morning, and there's an unexpected bill. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I owed the doctor seven hundred dollars." Man, I went to the I called the doctor. How is that 700 bucks? I thought I was getting money, God. Oh, so you told me that so you could warm me up for this. No, God says I told you that cuz I knew that was on its way, and I'm going to blow your mind at how easy it is for me to take care of that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our God is a complete deliverer. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus saves to the uttermost. It's a complete salvation. And He tells us, He tells us, I am going to do a new thing. Now, here's the thing. No sooner does God remind us of the mighty things He did at the Red Sea, and then the next words that seem to come out of His mouth in verse 18, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Now, he's not saying that they're not, un, not important. They are important. He's not saying, don't remember what I've done for you. But he's admonishing us not to limit him to what he has already done. See, the problem with our life is, is we either spend our time reliving old victories or nursing old wounds. We've all done it. See, I, I remember the days when I was in Needles. Kathy and I went down there. We were as green, as green could be. She's 19, I'm 20, almost 21. We had no business pastoring a church, but there we are. The, old, the youngest person in that church was 10 years older than me. And when people came and said, we need marriage counseling, we had been married a year and a half. What do we know about marriage counseling? We don't even know how to have a marriage ourselves. I'll tell you, I'll, tell, I'll be, I'll, so this, this, this gives you perspective, okay? I'm just telling on myself because it's fun. <laughs> so one, one day, one day we're, we're in Needles, right? Kathy's pregnant uh, with one of the boys. I forget which one. And uh, Dan and I, Dan Davis and I, Dan was in our church in Needles. We decided to go fishing. So Dan comes over. It's about 5 o'clock at night. He uh, comes over to the house, knocks on the door. I don't know where Kathy was, somewhere the the church was connected to her house. I think she was in the church. So I opened the door, there's Daniel says, you want to go fishing? I go, yes. So I grabbed my tackle box and my pole, got in the truck and left, never told Kathy. We go down to the river and stayed all night. Now do the math. Kathy goes into the church, I'm home. Kathy comes out of the church, I'm not home. There's no cell phones. There's no two-way radios. There's no tracking device. There's not a beeper. All there is is an idiot husband fishing. And I'm the pastor. I I was not winning awards for being the husband of the year and she's pregnant. I can't even imagine what's going through her mind. Did he leave me? Did he get kidnapped? Did somebody kill him? What happened? Did he get raptured and I'm the only one left? What, what happened? What's going on? What's happening? And so I, I, there, we, I come home. It's like six in the morning. She didn't go to sleep all night. She's sitting in the chair. Where have you been? And I'm like, chill out, man. What are you all mad about? So those of, you that, those of you that have come to me for marriage counseling, I know with which I speak. Oh. <laughs> Been there, done that. That's the bad. Now, I could sit there and I could waddle and, man, I'm a failure as a husband. I'm or, You know, we really had good times in needles too. We, we did an outreach. We had 350 people come out, 49 salvations. We, I mean, in one event, one thing. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was off the hook. I could, I could revel and wallow in all that happened in the past. But what about now? What about today? God says, yeah, that was good then. I was faithful then. But more importantly, I'm going to be faithful now. More importantly, I'm going to do something now. <coughs> Moses is standing at the Red Sea. And I imagine that he couldn't even dream what was about to happen. I'm certain, you know, it's, see, I just got this in my head. I, you know, I got a little bit of imagination. I could see Moses, he's standing there, you know, the the waves of the Red Sea are lapping up on the rock, and he knows Pharaoh's coming, all these whiny people behind him. He's got this staff, and he's he's already ran his mouth, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, you know, a big guy. He's standing there and going, okay. All I can see in my mind is Cecil B. and Charlton Heston taking the staff and doing this. Yeah, that's all I could see because I'm indoctrinated by that movie. Yeah. But I can't even imagine. And so I imagine, though, here's Moses. And he, whatever he did to part the Red Sea, as that thing began to build, the, and he sees, he, I'm certain that he's like, whoa, well, that's, that's different. Yeah. Right. Right? That, wow. That's new. Yeah. I, it's, it's, that's, are you guys all seeing this? This is pretty incredible. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? And you know what? The Bible says in the New Testament, all those things in in the Old Testament are written for our example of what we're capable of. Do you understand on our worst day, we're farther along than Moses was on his best day? And you say, how is that? Because Moses did not have Jesus in him. You have Jesus in you. Are you hearing me? You have unfettered access to the throne of God right now. All you have to do is come in boldly through faith and the blood of Jesus Christ and you have access to the Father. Moses did not. (laughs) He was under an inferior covenant. We are under under a superior covenant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But God begins to do something. But He says to them, He says to the children of Israel, forget all that. Basically, he's saying, that's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Let me say this to you, church. God wants to do a new thing for us, for you as individuals, for you as a family, for your marriage, your children, for our church. And it's beyond what you can imagine. Maybe your past was filled with overwhelming situations, Maybe you've had more difficult circumstances than you can count, but God has something brand new and fresh. God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. How oh, can I share a testimony? George, can I share your testimony real quick? This was, I, I don't know exactly on the days exactly, but let's just say two weeks. George called me up two weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago. He called me up. And he says, man, it's gotten bad. What's happened? He goes, well, there 's been a safu my 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 benefits, my social security benefits have been stopped because somebody reported me as being dead, but i'm not I feel like I am, but i'm not <clears throat> and all this stuff going on, and then his landlord calls and says, "Oh by the way we're raising the rent uh, three hundred uh, dollars and then the then the medical his doctor dies. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's uncanny. You, you start going, um, is somebody sticking pins in a doll in his life somewhere? <laughs> I mean, it's just, you, you begin to wonder. So we begin to pray because I didn't know what to do. I'm like, well, I, you know, I, I'm hesitating. I'm like, well, you can move in with me and Kathy, but I, uh, <laughs> you know, and so I, I'm, I'm sitting there and that's like, God, you got to do something. And we begin to pray. So, in one day, one day, he gets a phone call. I know I'm gonna, probably going to do this wrong, George. One day, he, all his benefits were emergency put back on. The state of Arizona said, We've made a mistake, so we're going to pay your rent in advance for the rest of the year. Yeah. And we're going to pay all your medical for the rest of the year. Then a few days later he gets a part-time job. One day. Cuz God is able. God and and there's much more to the story that I'm not telling you, but suffice to say that it was miracle after miracle after miracle. You say because God's got something new for you. God's got something new for you. Now, listen to me, and I'm kind of way off the notes here, so I'm just going to wing it at this point. There's something that more meets the eye here, because, because as you study this Scripture, God uses a word. He says, behold. In other words, that word, God's not messing around. This is an aggressive word. This is kind of like a mother that grabs a child by the chin and says, pay attention. Yeah. That's what God's doing. Pay attention. You need to understand that I'm going to do something new. Yeah. Amen. Church, we get waddling around and flinging and flapping and running our mouth and all that. And what God wants us to do is stop and pay attention. Because he's going to do Something new. And then he says something like this. He says, Now it shall spring forth. That is an interesting phrase because the word spring there literally means sprout. And Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 28. It says, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after the full grain in the head. And so what he's saying, he says, though you may not see it right now, it is birthing, it is sprouting, it is moving, it is happening right now. That's the promise. Listen to the words. Listen to the words. I'm going to go back. Listen to these words that he says. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. You shall, shall you not know it? In other words, he's saying, look, at I'm at work right now. I'm doing something brand new right now. I'm doing something right now in your life. You may not be able to see it yet, but trust it's sprouting. It's under the surface. And I'm telling you, church, I just feel in my spirit, I, I, I kind of wrestled over this sermon. To be honest with you, last night, I even, I even thought last night, it was probably about 1030 at night, I thought, man, i I'm just going to go pull an old sermon because I don't know if I could preach this one. I've struggled with this because, you know, sometimes I just, I wonder, and, and it's like, God, what are you saying? And God's saying, I am going to do a new thing. Now, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is what blows my mind. So, this morning at 8.30, I preached the sermon, right? We had a good time at 8.30. We get done, pull the altar call, everybody goes home. I'm standing right over here. I was talking, I think I was talking to Katie. I'm standing here and then I don't know where if she's in here, but Johanna comes up to me. Most of you know who Johanna is. Johanna comes up, she walks up and she goes, I have a word of encouragement for you. Now, she was not in 8.30 service. She goes, I don't know how to say this. <clears throat> she goes, God's going to do something new. And she said, and he's going to move the furniture around a little bit. No. He's going to give new assignments right. and new things. And he says, I just want to encourage you. God's up to something. So she's telling me I'm going through my iPad to get my, my, this thing up. I said, I need, to, I need to show you this. This is the title of my sermon. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. God's going to do something new. But here's the thing, church, we can't put God in a box. We can't limit, limit the Holy One of Israel. Okay, we can't, we can't come up with our preconceived ideas of how to do church. Our society is changing. And I suspect the way we do church is probably gonna change with it. The message never changes. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, does not. We do not change that. We don't mess with that. That is absolute. But church, listen to me. God is doing something new. We're praying for revival. Our prayer team, our intercessory prayer team, we meet every Monday right here. There's a group of us that meet and we pray every Monday for revival in some form or another. But are you ready for it? Because let me tell you something, when it comes, it comes like a a dam bursting. And it's not always easy. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's difficult. But you know what? It is always new. It's fresh and alive. And there'll be a vibrancy. There'll be a freshness. There'll be a reality that will be unarticulatable if I got that word right. That's a $50 word, I can't say. You won't be able to say it in English. You won't be able to speak it, but you'll know. And not only will it be in the church, but it'll be in you. It'll be in your home. It'll be in your family. It'll be in your health. It'll be in your finances. It'll be in your children. It'll be everywhere you go because it's something God wants to do. I'm telling you, that's what He's up to. He said, well, what, what do I do right now, pastor? What do I need to do? You need to pray into it. You need to declare it. You need to declare it. And say, God, do something new. When you walk into the grocery store, stop in the middle of the parking lot, freak everybody out, say, God, you're doing something new at Safeway. Yeah. Yeah. When you get ready to go to Chili's or Calico's or wherever you go for lunch today, God, you're doing something new. When you walk into your house, go, God, you're going to do something new. When you look in the mirror, God, you're doing something new. When you lay your children down or if you lay your grandchildren down, or if you have adult children, go, God, you're doing something new. You're going to do something new because He is. He is. He's going to blow your mind. This is His will. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you so much, God, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you have shown us truth. We thank you, God, that you have made a way for us. We pray, Father, that you would encourage us with this message. Lord, that as we go from this place, God, that we would realize, God, though we do not see it yet, Lord, it's springing forth. We know that there is a sprout that's just beneath the surface that is about to come forward as a blade. Then the stalk, then the ear. We know, God, that you are working. And Father, I pray, God, that for every home and every family, every person, every business, God, I pray, Lord, that you just touch and do something brand new. Brand new, God. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I give you glory and I give you honor. I thank you. I wonder as every head is bowed, every eye is closed this morning. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, say, I need Jesus as my Savior. Or if you're watching today online and you say, you know what, I I need Jesus as my Savior. If you're here in, in, in this building today, I want you to just quickly lift up your hand and put it right back down. If you need Jesus as your Savior, raise it up. Amen, I see that hand. Someone else? Anyone else? Amen, I see that hand. Someone else? If you're online and you need Jesus as your Savior, we'll be praying just in a moment. And I want you to pray with us. I want you to repeat this prayer. In fact, I want all of us to say this. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life and I receive your life in return. I ask you to be my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask very quickly if our ministry team would come to the front. And for those of you that did raise your hand today, you know, just as we begin to leave this service, if you, would, if you need prayer, if you need anything, come up. Let one of these, just tell them. Say, man, I just gave my life to Jesus. Even if you didn't raise your hand, just come on up. Or you say, is it too late? It's still not too late. Come on up, let them pray for you. If you're, you need prayer for healing or any other thing, let them pray for you. Let's stand to our feet today. We're going to release you, let you go. You have a wonderful day. God bless you. We'll see you next week. I got a message next week I'm really excited about that's going to be kind of a pseudo part two to this. It's going to be even better. God bless you.